Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We're going to be talking a lot of NFL. Our pick sixes for the week, playoff picture, dark horse teams. We got Twitter polls to talk about as well. Of course, we'll cover John Madden some college football, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, and so much more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. We are live tonight. We are on Facebook, we are on YouTube, and we are on ColorCast tonight as well. I am joined by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. A lot going on here with sports as we wrap up the year. Of course, we've got the fantasy football championships this week, and you and I are both in that, so that's exciting. We are in fantasy football. Of course, uh, you and I are playing against each other in one league. Uh, you're in another league that that I'm in also, but you're in the championship game. I am not, and uh, so nonetheless, I'm not super excited about that. But uh, that's okay; it'll it'll all be just fine. Uh, Dad, let's talk about a tragic loss uh, here this this week. John Madden coming off of a uh, special on John Madden this weekend, and uh, surprisingly enough, uh, he. Uh, well, he passed away this week. Talk to me a little bit about uh, John uh, John Madden and what he meant meant to the game of football, and uh, kind of what your thoughts are of John Madden. Well, John Madden was, of course, as they said, a great ambassador for football. I think he was a great football coach, and of course, his video game has been one of the most famous ever. And I think all those things have helped promote. Um, the NFL and football, but nothing more than his broadcasting. I think his broadcasting really changed things. I did watch the special on him, and it was very interesting that at first he was very opposed to being a broadcaster because he just didn't like the way they did things and portrayed things. And then he understood that he could change that. And he really did. Um, it wasn't just entertaining. I mean, it was great education for people about things, but it was very entertaining with his personality and the things that he did um, there. Of course, the fact that he was a coach really added to all the information that he had. Um, but and, and really, he just... Um, was a broadcaster just like he was a coach, very bombastic, very outspoken, and, um, you know, was great as I think back, just so many unique things about him. But to me, everything on the broadcast changed when he got the Telestrator. That was just amazing. <laughs> I mean, he added a lot to it. And I was thinking back today of different things. And as a Packer fan, I think he was the first one to call Frankie Winters the old bag of donuts. And I remember him on the telestrator circling his stomach and said, that's just a bag of donuts there. <laughs> and of course he, he, he made a lot of players famous like that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My kids are younger and all they know about them is video games. And, um, you know, sadly that's, <laughs> he should be known by more things than that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's intriguing to kind of see where they are, with it all. And, uh, you know, you look at him, uh, and Pat Summerall and they were a great team and they really, in my opinion, made, uh, made football more exciting to watch and more fun to watch as well. And so, um, it's sad, sad to see them, see them go. And, and, uh, you know, especially weird timing, right? We talked about that. You had the, uh, um, the special on him this past week and, it's just strange to kind of see how, how that all shook out. It's probably a great way to honor him, though. It would have been maybe a little more awkward to have the special after his passing. 
Um, I mean, I, I, I think I think it was in ways it was a great honor. Um, the way they did the special and had him sitting there reacting to the things that he saw and what people said, that was really neat. Yeah, yeah, sure was. And uh, his legacy will continue on through the video game. But uh, sadly, I just don't think people will understand how influential he was to watching football um, as well. And obviously, he was a great coach uh, also. And um, so sad, sad to see for sure. Uh, let's get into some NFL conversation tonight. We've got a lot going on uh, within the NFL right now. I want to start off with some polls that I had this week. And that'll lead us into some more conversation. Let's start off with the poll. Uh, we started off with Super Bowl polls, asking people who they thought would, uh, they had the most confidence in in each conference. So, Dad, I'll ask you first. The AFC, I gave three, three teams and then the other option. Uh, so the three teams were Buffalo, Kansas City, New England, and then other was the other option. And, again, the question is, who do you have the most confidence in from the AFC to go to the Super Bowl? Um, I would say Kansas City. A hundred percent. I agree with you on that. They won the poll. 56% uh, of our Twitter pollsters chose Kansas City. 23% chose Buffalo. 11% chose other. And 10% chose New England. Uh, the only person who commented under the other said the Miami Dolphins. And I responded with, well, that I think they're more of a dark horse team, more than a confidence team. But... Uh, the the avid Dolphin fan, uh, the commissioner from TSS Fantasy, he said they've won seven straight. They haven't played anybody good yet, uh, so you don't know how good they are, and 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 they're going to be great. They're going to win the Super Bowl. So uh, is what it is. <laughs> but uh, Kansas City wins the poll. NFC again, three teams. I chose uh, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and other in the NFC. Who do you have the most confidence in? in the NFC to make the Super Bowl? Uh, I really think it's Green Bay. Of course, we're Packer fans, but um, I think the way they've played and the way things are going, and again, if they get home field advantage up there, you know, this weekend everybody's going to see what home field advantage is like in Green Bay when it's single digits. And um, I have the most confidence in Green Bay of those three especially. Yeah, they won the poll again. 50% said Green Bay, 29% said Tampa, 17% said Dallas, 4% said other, meaning that it seems like it's pretty much a front runner. When I look at the NFC, Dad, Green Bay and Tampa are the two teams I look at as the most likely to go anywhere. I think Dallas is really talented. I've said that all year, um, but I have the most confidence in Green Bay and Tampa. I probably have similar confidence in both of them, honestly. I think Tampa, they've been there. They've got maybe the best quarterback of all time uh, leading the way. They've got a lot of experience. They've got a lot of talent. So I trust in Tampa. I also trust in Green Bay, the way their defense has played. Um, their special teams has been horrendous, but Mason Crosby has been actually making field goals. So that's a change of pace. But uh, um, so those are the two teams that I really have the most confidence in as well. Uh, where I live and where you live, honestly, the, the Bengals are finally getting a little bit of run. Uh, you know, I live in Lexington, you're up in Ohio, so you hear a lot about them. Uh, you know, we asked this question a few times throughout the season, but how confident are you that Cincinnati can make a run at the Super Bowl? Um, I definitely think they got a good chance to win the division, and I think they can win a game or so in the playoff. It wouldn't really shock me if they get in the AFC championship game. I don't know that they would go to the Super Bowl yet. Um, it would depend probably on the other teams. But again, I think depending on – there are several teams this time, depending on if they get home field, um, Cincinnati has a good home field, a good fan base, and uh, could help them a little bit. Again, I think they're a little young to go through all of it, um, but I, I think it wouldn't totally shock me if they were in the AFC Championship game. They have a really good offense. They have an okay – defense. <laughs> they, I think they're still a little bit away from the Super Bowl. Um, someone on Twitter asked, you know, three years over or under that Cincinnati's a legit Super Bowl contender. I said under to that. What do you think about that? 
Um, yes, I, I think where they're headed, if they stay healthy with the talent they have, um, if they make a few of the right moves, free agent-wise or whatever in the offseason, uh, they're definitely headed in the right direction. Yeah, you know, I look at it, you've got teams like Buffalo and Kansas City who are already there. You've got Miami, you've got the Chargers, you've got New England, all of which are going to be getting better. So it's going to be a tough road uh, in the years to come. But Cincinnati seems like they're right there where they need to be, uh, definitely, I think at least, moving in the right direction. They, I mean, it's their conference to win. Uh, we've talked about it before. If they beat Cleveland in the final week of the season, they clinch the division. Now, they can clinch it earlier, but it'll take everything going perfectly for them. If Cincinnati wins and everybody else loses, then Cincinnati clinches. But otherwise, if Cleveland wins or if Cincinnati loses, uh, then it's going to come down to that last week there and uh, be all up to them to win the division. Um, let's look at the other uh, uh, playoff picture. You know, the AFC, Miami's, you know, making that run. Right now, Indianapolis is getting better right now as well. Of course, Carson Wentz is in the COVID protocols. Um, I don't trust anybody in the north outside of Cincinnati, and I think they're a dark horse as well. I don't trust anybody in the west outside of Kansas City <laughs> right now also. Uh, who's your dark horse AFC team or teams? Um I, you know, I, I don't really expect anybody to come out of the dark horse spot, but if I was going to pick one, it would be a team that we thought earlier would be good, and that would be Baltimore. Um, you just you, – you never know. They've got talent. They've won some very close games. If somebody was going to make a surprising run, and I don't even know that they'll be a wild card, but if they are and somebody was going to make a run from the bottom, I'd have to think maybe Baltimore. Baltimore. That's an interesting name. I didn't expect that one to to, to, to peak right now. I, I'm not sure that Lamar's style works uh, in current day playoff football to get to the Super Bowl, but I don't trust Baltimore at all. They've done they've exceeded my expectations already this year, being eight and seven. So that says a lot about what I thought about them coming into the season. Um, I think you know teams like Indianapolis, Tennessee. Honestly, if Derrick Henry comes back, all of a sudden changes ex- how everybody looks at them. Uh, but Miami is a team I'm keeping my eye on, uh, as well. Miami and Cincinnati would probably be my dark horses for the playoffs. Uh, I think Kansas city is still my favorite coming out of the AFC right now. Let's go to the NFC. <clears throat> We've already got five teams that have clinched a playoff spot, which leaves two spots left San Francisco and Philadelphia currently in the lead for those spots, Atlanta, New Orleans, Minnesota in the running as well. Um, I mean, I think it's San Francisco and Philly uh, there as your last two spots in the NFC. Do you agree with that, or do you think it's other teams? That's who it, that's who it should be, yes, I would agree. But, again, you just – you know, Philly's been so up and down, you just don't know. And San Francisco has struggled a little bit at the end. I thought they were a sure thing to be in. And, um, you know, again, they got a game they should win this week. But um, – It'll be interesting. You know, it's going to come down there at the at the end. Um, I don't know if it's guaranteed that there'll be the wild cards, but I, yeah, I think San Francisco and Philly are the safe bets. Um, talk about the dark horse teams. We already talked about the confidence in the Packers and Tampa. Um, Who would be the dark horse team out of the NFC? Um, and I, I right now the way they're playing, I don't know, but I think the dark horse would be Arizona. They were good earlier, and, um, you know, I guess they could go on a run. Losing Hopkins has seemed to really hurt them in a lot of ways. Um, I assume that took a lot of the defenses had to really cover him or whatever, and now it's a little different. Uh, Of course, Murray's explosive. Um, I don't know that they'll make a move, but that would be the dark horse team I would pick. Yeah, I think anybody other than Green Bay and Tampa is dark horse at this point. I know Dallas's record would say otherwise, but uh, I mean, I, to, in my opinion, either the Rams, the Cardinals out of the West, or Dallas out of the East would be a surprise for most people. I don't know if you can call a eleven and four team a dark horse, but that's what the Rams and the Cowboys are. And I would just be surprised right now if they beat Green Bay and or Tampa Bay to get into the Super Bowl. Arizona, you know, they've had a great uh, road record. They've had a great division record, but um, they've been really bad at home. It doesn't look like they're going to get a home game in the playoffs anyways, or at least if they do, it's only week one. Um, Yeah, I I mean, 
Los Angeles is a team we looked at at the beginning of the year where you're talking about Matt Stafford now at quarterback. They've got a lot of really solid talent across the board. But, man, O'Day, I just don't trust them at all. Uh, but, again, they've got a coach who's been there, and they've got some really talented players as well. So I'm going to say Dallas is my dark horse, and I don't. I, some people won't say, well, they can't be a dark horse. They are in my book. Uh, Dallas will be my dark horse in the NFC uh, there as well. But I think, I, I think it's San Francisco and Philly. You know, Minnesota plays Green Bay this week. Uh, that doesn't look great for him. New Orleans doesn't have a quarterback. Atlanta is struggling all different places. Uh, San Francisco has the most complete. Let's talk about San Francisco, Dad. Trey Lance era. Uh, looks like it's getting ready to start in San Francisco with the injuries with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, do you think that he's been able to sit all season so far? Uh, is that going to come out and be a, a good thing for them? Or uh, are we looking at a failure here from San Francisco in the last couple of weeks? Um, it'll be interesting to see how they use him um, because uh, I think it could be tough coming in at this point, uh, the way they've played with Garoppolo. Now they could just keep trying to keep the same style and everything. Um, but Lawrence is a little more explosive in some ways, so they may try some different things. Um, be interesting to see. Of course, they've got, you know, some good receivers, Um I don't know how well he'll do these last you know couple of games. We'll see. Now, a few years back, Patrick Mahomes was a rookie. He sat all season, but Alex Smith sat the last game of the year. They let they let Mahomes come in and play. He looked great. Uh, they put Smith back into the playoffs, of course. But um, you know, I think having the opportunity to sit and learn. Hopefully, he's asking questions. Hopefully, he's been uh, teachable, coachable, those kind of things. In my opinion, it's his chance to come in and just take the job where there's no question about it. He's the guy of the future in San Francisco. That doesn't mean he has to win a Super Bowl. It just means he has to look halfway decent, uh, as good and better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And Garoppolo's looked okay, but he definitely hasn't looked like a Super Bowl quarterback, in my opinion at least, here in the rest of this season as well. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about Joe Burrow uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, I had a, a question about him. I got asked in a radio interview this week, and it started getting me thinking about his his place in the NFL right now and where you look at him right now. Um, in my opinion, I think he's a top three or four quarterback in the NFL. I've got Rodgers and Mahomes above him. I probably put Brady above him as well, but I've got him right there with the Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert kind of level. And I think I would take him over those quarterbacks. So I've got Joe Burrow, number four, currently on my NFL quarterbacks list. Uh, what about you? Well, I I think if you're looking at potential, yes, Burrow is up in that category. If you look at exactly where they're playing right now, um, I don't think he's quite that high. I, I kind of broke down the quarterbacks, and I'd have him at about number nine. Um, but he'd be very close. He'd be very close with these guys. He's not far off, but um, I definitely don't think he's where, you know, Josh Allen is at all. And um, I mean, I had Rogers, Mahomes, Brady, and Allen at the top. And then the next four guys would be Stafford, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and Murray, and then Burrow right there after that. Um, you know, Burrow easily will be better, I think, maybe than all four of those guys I have ahead of him. But I wouldn't say he's there this year. Now, he's had an explosive game a time or two, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. Of course, he's got great weapons, and um, he's made good a good use of that. So here would be my pushback to you. First of all, Lamar Jackson this year is not a top-eight quarterback. He's been horrendous this year. Now, I'm not saying he won't come back. I'm not saying he won't be better. Those kinds of things. I like Lamar Jackson, uh, but this year he's been bad. Uh, Kyler Murray, I understand. He's a guy I thought about as well. I put him in that same category. Um, I just don't trust him as much as I trust Joe Burrow. Same with Matt Stafford. I'm a Matt Stafford fan, but I would I would take Joe Burrow seven days a week over Matt Stafford, even right now. I just think he is a phenomenal quarterback he throws the ball he's mobile he doesn't run like josh allen does but he's way better of a thrower than josh allen again in my opinion um and he doesn't have the strength the arm strength that josh allen has but he puts the ball where it needs to be on time he's accurate in my opinion he's better than josh allen right now so if i was if i was trying to draft a quarterback or pick a quarterback 
out of these teams, I would take Burrow over Josh Allen right now. Um, I would take him over Kyler, although I would have to think hard about it. Um, and I'd take him over, you know, Russell Wilson's really good. Uh, and I'm probably undervaluing Russell Wilson in this, uh, in this exercise, but I, I don't know. I feel pretty confident with Joe Burrow at number four. And, uh, I'd definitely jump him above on your list. I'd make a huge argument against Lamar Jackson this year, the way Lamar Jackson's played. Um, and then I would, like I said, I would boost them over Stafford. I'd boost them over Kyler would be the one that I'd have to think hard about. Uh, on on that list, in my opinion, what what makes Josh Allen that much better of a quarterback than Joe Burrow? Um, I mean, I just think he is. When you look at what he, you know, what he has, I think he's a little further along than Burrow is. Um, will Burrow overtake him? Maybe he will, <clears throat> but it looks like Josh Allen's going to have a great career, and um, you know, they, they may end up being pretty close to equals. But, um, I mean, if I had to pick a quarterback for next year, it'd be hard for me to pick Burrow over Josh Allen. I could pick Burrow over some of these other guys probably looking for next year. But um, it's interesting that both of us have Burrow above Dak Prescott, um, which I think he definitely is. But I'm a little surprised on that. Yeah, I like Dak Prescott. He, again, I think there's a, uh, you know, in that same tier, there's so many guys. Uh, that I would put in there. All the guys that you mentioned, um, Dak Prescott, I think would be in that tier as well. I just trust Burr. I think Burrow's just a better player. Um, I trust him more than I trust those other guys. Uh, and, and again, it's just an opinion, but, but it's what the opinion that I have. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, Davis Mills, uh, comes in to Houston last week and, uh, surprises pretty much everybody played really good football. Coming out of college, you know, in the draft, there was a lot of talk about Davis Mills, that he might be the second, or not the second, but the first of the quarterbacks taken after the first round, and and some even had him higher up into the first round than 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 where he eventually got drafted. Sitting there at Houston, and and Houston, you know, you're coming into a draft, an interesting draft this year. Not great quarterbacks in the draft. Deshaun Watson probably on the move. How much confidence do you have in Davis Mills? Could he be the future of the Houston Texans or at least, you know, the next three, four years uh, where he gives them enough where they can build a team before finding the eventual, you know, future of the franchise? Could Davis Mills be that bridge quarterback at the very least? I think he possibly could. I think he's definitely be one they'll give a shot to. And you'd have to look and see again. It's going to depend what they can do in the offseason. Um, with getting some other players around just to help in all areas of their team. Um, but I mean, I, I think you'll have to admit Houston's been surprising. They have not been, uh, the doormat. They're not high necessarily in their record, but, um, they've been much more competitive than I, I, I would have thought they would be. When you look at, you know, one of the big talks is Deshaun Watson getting traded to Philadelphia in the offseason. So let's say they move him for Jalen Hurts. Would you play Jalen Hurts over Davis Mills? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Hurts has proved he can play quarterback. Um, it might be an interesting battle. I don't know. Um, and I don't know if they want to put two quarterbacks in a real competitive situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to get better, I would hope. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting one. I mean, at this point, I would take Hurts over Davis Mills. But – Maybe we'll see something out of Davis Mills these next two weeks where he continues that consistency. And uh, maybe there's an opportunity for him down the road here in Houston to be a, you know, a solid, solid quarterback that gets to play and compete for the starting job for the next several years. I, I don't know. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks now, uh, not only the new ones, but the old ones. Ben Roethlisberger basically says, this is it for me. This will be my last game, home game in Pittsburgh this week. And, uh, and, and everybody says, uh, I sure hope so. Uh, you know, the way he's looked this year, Roethlisberger, you know, he comes into a draft with Philip Rivers and Eli Manning, wins a Super Bowl early on in his career. Uh, he has a lot of success, especially early in his career, a lot of good stats as his career went on. He had some legal issues, um, some society issues and whatnot from there. You know, when when all said and done, is is Roethlisberger a first ballot Hall of Famer? Um, I think he'll definitely be a Hall of Famer. You know, whether he's a first ballot, um, 
you know, not for sure. I would think there's a good chance of it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you, you win a did he win two Super Bowls or just the one? I'm trying think, to remember now. I think two. Yeah, I think you're right. And I should know that, but I, I'm trying to think through. I remember he played against Green Bay. He played against Arizona um, as well. But anyways, it, you know, I don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I haven't liked Ben Roethlisberger for a very long time. Uh, I think he's made some improvements in his life, which I applaud. But uh, he clearly should not have been playing this year. <laughs> I mean, they should have moved on uh, already. But they don't really, it doesn't seem like they have anybody in-house that can be the guy there in Philadelphia or in Pittsburgh moving forward. So, um, you know, I mean, Mason, Mason, uh, Rudolph's not the guy. Dwayne Haskins doesn't appear to be the guy. Uh, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they do. I think they're a, a possible landing spot for a big time free agent quarterback here this off season as well. Uh, something to watch for on there. I did take a, I forgot. I, I did take a Twitter poll on Davis Mills as well, asking the confidence level that Houston should have in him being their quarterback of the future. 30% of the voters said 75% confidence. 30% also said less than 25% confidence. Uh, 21% said 50% confidence, and 19% said 100% confidence. I don't have 100% confidence in Davis Mills being the quarterback of the future in Houston. Um, and I probably have less than 25%, honestly, as well. All right. Uh, let's get into our pick six this week. We were on fire Last week, both of us getting five of our six picks correct. Uh, so as, as a show, 10 out of 12 picks we nailed. Uh, so congratulations, Dad, and congratulations, Vince, uh, on those picks as well. Uh, let's get into our pick sixes this week, and uh, it's an interesting week ahead. It's going to really start to cl- – should clear clear up a lot of the, the playoff picture, especially in the AFC, but uh, we will see. Let's start with our picks, Dad. Uh, most of the games on Sunday, one game on Monday, unless some of them get moved. Uh, and then we've got a Sunday night game that we'll be watching green Bay and Minnesota. Uh, let's get your first pick of the week, uh, of your pick six. I will take, um, like you said last week, I take the favorites a lot, but I have several underdogs this week. So I'm sorry. I'll start out with um, Miami and the points against Tennessee. Miami and the points, three and a half points to be exact. Uh, they are three and a half point underdogs against Tennessee. Tennessee at home in this game. I picked this game as well, Dad. Uh, explain your pick, why you feel that confidently about Miami. Well, I think Miami's on a roll. I've heard a lot of talk this week about, you know, Miami has not beaten good teams. So yeah. uh, we will see how that goes. But if Miami's going to make a move, then um, and I think Tennessee's a team that can be beat. So um, I, I, you know, that's why I went with Miami. Yeah, Miami's hot. Tennessee is not. <laughs> um, Tennessee's not good. They're just not. I don't care what anybody says. I know what their record is. Uh, they're not good. They're not a playoff, a legit playoff team. They don't have the talent on the team as it currently sits. Uh, without Derrick Henry, they don't have an identity, and they're just not good. Now, can they win? Sure. Will they win? I don't think so. I picked Miami as well. Three and a half point underdog surprised me to see Miami at three and a half points. Uh, uh, that really, really surprised me. So I jumped on that immediately. I picked Miami as well. Uh, game number two for you. Um, I'll take Indianapolis over Las Vegas. Now, again, that could be a little iffy here depending on the quarterback situation. But, again, Indianapolis is on the move. Um, Las Vegas still has a chance to stay in the playoffs. But um, went with Indianapolis to cover on this one. All right. So that number right now is at minus seven. Um, I went the opposite way on you on this one, Dad. I, especially with the Wentz, Wentz situation, Sam Ellinger not going to beat Las Vegas by a touchdown. And uh, I went Vegas on this one. Uh, so we're opposite ends here. You go Indy minus seven favorite. I went Vegas plus seven underdog. And my my thing here is just it's just not the spot for Indianapolis to to be able to blow out Vegas. Can they beat them? I suppose they can. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is the key there in Indianapolis right now. Uh, but I think Vegas can at least make this one close, if not get the the win uh, here this week. Is is kind of the way I'm looking at this one. Uh, game number three. So far, we've picked the same games. I'll take um, Arizona and the points over Dallas. Okay, I did not pick this one. Uh, what gives you th- 
Let me look. I haven't seen that one. Let me look real quick. That's uh so Arizona's a six point underdog to Dallas. Give me your thoughts on that one. Well, again, Arizona, I mean, if they just keep losing here, this is gonna be amazing. So um I again I think they're they're hurting without Hopkins, but I think if they're gonna come into a game where they have to win, now Dallas still has a shot at uh, getting, you know, home field. So they're gonna be, you know, ready to play also. But I think Arizona uh, can beat them or at least could get within a field goal. And that would work on this one, man. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona covers this game, which is what we're picking, but, um, I would be shocked if they win honestly at Dallas, uh, you know, uh, that would surprise me. <laughs> Needless to say, I did not pick that game, uh, there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona covers though. They desperately need to win. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm just not sure that they're there. I, I mean, I don't know that if you look at the end of this season, the way this is ending as it currently looks, if you look at it and have confidence that Cliff Kingsbury can lead you to a Super Bowl, because that's where that's where my doubts come in right there. It's not in Kyler Murray. It's not in the talent level. They'll get Hopkins back in the playoffs, it's supposedly. Um, so maybe they can make a run, but I don't trust the coach there. Uh, all right, who's your fourth game this week? I have got Detroit over uh, Detroit and the points against Seattle. Yeah, Detroit seven point underdog. I am all over that one as well. I've been I've been on Detroit now for weeks. Uh, they've been been able to keep games close. And when I see a touchdown difference here against a bad Seattle team, I was excited to hop on that one too. Detroit, they're just they play hard. They don't stop. They keep going all game, and they're not going to win games a whole lot of them at least, but they, they're going to play hard. And for that reason, I picked Detroit as well, seven-point underdogs to Seattle. Uh, your fifth game. Uh, what was your third game? Because you didn't take the Arizona-Dallas game. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to hear yours first, and then I'll give okay. mine. All right, that'll be fine. And I'll take um, Houston and the points against San Francisco. That's a lot of points. Um, I think San Francisco will win. They should win, but I'll take Houston. All right. So I've got Houston at 12 and a half point underdogs to San Francisco. I avoided as many of the, those double digit ones this week as possible. Um, and, uh, so I did not pick this game either. You know, Dave, we just talked about Davis Mills, uh, possibly going against Trey Lance this week and either San Francisco is going to be phenomenal <laughs> or, Houston's going to keep it close. It's it's not going to be, you know, a, a 10 point game. I don't think, I think it'll either be a blowout or it'll be a close game. Uh, I was scared to death of this one and staying as far away from this one as possible. Uh, who's your sixth game? Um, be Philadelphia, um, to cover against the Washington football team. Yeah. Philadelphia three point favorite. I went with them as well. Um, over Washington. I think, I think Philadelphia is making their run. I think that there, there's there's no reason for them to not make the playoffs. Washington, you know, they're a, they're an interesting team, but they just don't have the the ability right now. They've not been playing well either. They've got injured defense. The offense has not been performing like it should. Um, Philadelphia again in desperate need of a win. I think Philadelphia gets this one as well. So I picked Philadelphia minus three also. Uh, so I've got two games that you didn't pick. I've got the Los Angeles Rams. Four-and-a-half-point favorites over Baltimore. I don't like what Baltimore looks like right now. Uh, it scares me that that they're just they're just going to kind of fold for the season. And even though if they win, they're still in the hunt. But uh, I think the Rams trying to seal up the West Division, take this game, and I think they take it convincingly as well. Your thoughts on the Rams versus Baltimore? Well, I almost took that game, and I do think the Rams – but again – the Rams have scared me. They haven't, you know, played great at times. And Baltimore, again, when it looks like they're dead, all of a sudden, you know, they come up and they, they stay in a lot of games close. So this one, this game scared me. I just stayed away from it. I want to give a shout-out to Blaine. He's listening on Color Cast right now. He says, uh, Dallas is on a roll. That offense is potent. Just needs the defense to show up. Uh, the story of Dallas Cowboys – uh, most recent seasons, right? Uh, I think Dan Quinn's done an excellent job. He may be working his way into a head coaching job uh, again with the way that he's played, done well with this defense in Dallas uh, for sure. 
Uh, then, Dad, my last game that I picked was the New York Football Giants. Six-point underdog to the Chicago Bears. Duh, Bears. Uh, do we trust the Bears to do anything good? We don't. For that reason alone, we go with the Giants. Six-point underdog in Chicago. So I've taken the Giants at six points underdogs. Miami at three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Vegas, seven-point underdogs. Lions, seven-point underdogs. And then the Rams at four-and-a-half-point favorites. Philadelphia at minus three uh, as my picks. Dad, you got Miami. Uh, Three-and-a-half-point dog. Arizona, six-point dog. Indianapolis, the touchdown favorite. Detroit, the touchdown underdog. Houston, 12-and-a-half-point underdog. And Philly, minus three. Those are interesting picks. Uh, We'll see if we can continue our hot streak here this this week as we get in towards the end. Dad, uh, uh, your fantasy football team that you're playing me, like we talked about that at the beginning of the show, um, you know, I'm looking at this matchup right now. Now I understand why you're talking so good about Matt Stafford. Uh, you desperately need him this week in your fantasy football team. Uh, uh, so, I'm, so I'm starting to understand a little bit more now. Uh, you've got Nick Chubb, Stephon Diggs, Kittle. Uh, those are all superstars. But then you got some guys in here. Jamal Williams. Uh, no, that's not Jamal Williams. That's uh, from Denver, the rookie running back, Williams. Um, you've got the Detroit Browns, Amron St. Brown. Um, and then, uh, you got green Bay's Alan Lazard. Those are guys that they could win it for you. Right. But otherwise you could be looking at some duds this week as well. Yeah. Well, this league <clears throat> compared to the two, I'm not strong in this league. I'm a little surprised. I got into the championship. Um, <clears throat> I needed Kittle and Stafford to have big weeks last week. They did not. But the receiver from Detroit did and Chubb did. And I scored pretty good, 140, you know, from there. I haven't scored super great in this league. Um, again, I may change that lineup around a little bit. Um, we'll see from there. But, um, you know, probably nothing drastic. We'll see. Yeah, and this is the keeper league. I absolutely love my roster. Uh, and it's given me a good season. I got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Aaron Jones. And Michael Carter, the Jets running back at running backs, uh, Jefferson from Minnesota, Jalen Waddle, who's been a phenomenal play this year, uh, Andrews at tight end. Then I got Dwayne Harris as my flex player. Um, and as long as he's healthy, he's been decent this year, too. I feel good about beating you this week, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I feel- I, <laughs> again, this will be, um, you know, this will be a, a little surprise if I win, but we'll see. The other league, I'm a little stronger in. Yeah, yeah. The other league you are. I'm not going to talk about that though because I'm not. I'm not in that <laughs> one. Uh, um, <laughs> let's talk about the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, they came out with the 15 finalists: Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Tony Vaselli, Leroy Butler. Uh, for those of you casual fans out there, Leroy Butler is the one who started the Lambo Leap. He was the first one to ever do it. And uh, and he gets credit for it, but that's not why he's in the Hall of Fame list. He was a phenomenal safety, and he should get in. Uh, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Bryant Young. Uh, an interesting crew, Dad. I don't know that too many of them are superstars, uh, but all of them obviously incredibly good NFL careers. Some of them short NFL careers. Thinking like Patrick Willis, for instance, he retired early on uh, after a pretty short career, but he was phenomenal uh, when he was healthy there in San Francisco as a linebacker. Um, we saw a lot of Jared Allen. Uh, he played at Minnesota, and and that's where we saw a lot of him at as well. Some great receivers, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson in there as well, Reggie Wayne. Uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts on these finalists? Well, again, I think it's very, very close. I don't believe there's anybody. You know, some years there's one or two guys. Well, you know, it's their, their first chance to get in. You know they're going to get in last year with Peyton and Woodson. Um, I, we definitely don't have that on this list. So I think it is, it, it'll be very close. I think they're all, you know, about equally deserving. I don't know that I see any of them that um, is really way below the others. There's a couple I probably wouldn't put as high. but um, Overall, um, yeah, I think it should be a real interesting vote, and I think Leroy has a good chance to get in on this one. I love for him too. I'm not sure if he will or not. Uh, Sam Mills is kind of the guy I look at and go, I'm not sure that I'd put him 
uh, above some of these other guys on the list. What about Devin Hester? I mean, he's going on as a kick returner. He, you know, never made it really as a receiver, never made it as a corner as he came into the league. Uh, but he was a phenomenal return man, punt and kick returns. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that he gets in this year. I would assume he gets in at some point. Uh, but does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? I think so. He's when I looked at this list, I had three guys that kind of jumped out and he was one of them. He was a phenomenal returner. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We've had punters get in the Hall of Fame, a specialist. And I mean, Hester was a guy that, you know, if you didn't kick away from him, then, you know, at any point in time, he could hurt you. So I, I think he deserves to get in. Yeah, I'm sure Tony Dungy would say he deserves to get in as the Super Bowl against the Bears. He kicked it right to him to start the game and and uh, touched down Chicago. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Who are the other two on your the three that jumped out? Well, I think Leroy Butler should get in, and I think Tony Baselli. I remember him and as an offensive lineman, and I think he would be one that, that should. Uh, I guess the other guy, Zach Thomas, I think you know was a real game changer. That one made sense. The receivers are all, you know, a couple of them to me are, are kind of equal with Andre Johnson and Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt there. Um, any of those be fine. Bryant Young was quite the defensive lineman, no doubt about that. I don't think Seymour is quite in that category with the others. Uh, and Jared Allen was real good. I thought he might get in last year, but uh, if I remember right, he didn't do real well in the voting, so I'm not sure how it'll go this year. I think the offensive linemen, both Willie Anderson and Tony Baselli, are guys that that should be in this year. Uh, Patrick, or excuse me, Zach Thomas. I agree with you. I think he pops out as someone who was just great. The receivers, I think Reggie Wayne should. Um, Tory Holt and Andre Johnson. You know, maybe I need to go back and watch Tory Holt again. Uh, but him being there with Isaac Bruce for a long time kind of overshadowed him, in my opinion. Andre Johnson didn't play enough, didn't win enough. He was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, you look at Calvin Johnson, he didn't win enough, but he was great also. So it makes sense for him to get in, but not this year, I don't think. Uh, Rondé Barber, kind of the same thing. He was really good, but um, over some of these other guys. So I would go Jared Allen. I'd go Willie Anderson. I'd go Tony Baselli. Uh, my favoritism would lead to Leroy Butler, but I'm not sure that he's, um, you know, again, he's from a different generation. So, uh, it'll depend on the voters from there. Zach Thomas, I think, obviously. I was surprised DeMarcus Ware had been been out of the league that long. <laughs> I, I feel like he was still playing last year, so uh, I was surprised to see him on the list this year as well. But uh, an interesting list, to say the least, here when it comes to the NFL Hall of Fame list, and we'll see that cut down and where that gets to as well. Let's keep talking about the Hall of Fame, Dad, and let's talk about Baseball Hall of Fame. There's not a whole lot of baseball news to talk about right now with the lockdown, but um, the ballots are out and the final ballots are turned in in January and uh, we're getting to the end now of guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Uh, there's a lot of just question marks around them. Will they make it in or should they make it in those kinds of things? So let's start with Barry Bonds because you're a Giants fan. Uh, Bonds was an electric player even when he played in Pittsburgh before he bulked up, so to say. Um should Barry Bonds make the Hall of Fame? Should steroid users make the Hall of Fame? Well, I, I thought about that, you know, this week a little bit. And to me, um, they're either, you know, they're either ought to be just a rule or a guideline or not. If the deal is, hey, this guy got caught for steroids, he's not, we're not going to put them in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but they haven't said that. And I started thinking probably the reason for that is, is there anybody that's already in the Hall of Fame that ever used steroids? You know, they're, they're not, you know, as far as what we know now, but if they made that rule, is there a chance something would come back at some point? And then again, they don't want to take people out of the Hall of Fame. I think both, I think Barry Bonds had a good enough career before the steroid thing came up that, yes, he was a Hall of Fame baseball player. So unless the steroid thing cancels that out, um, I, I think, yes, I think it would make sense for him to be in the Hall of Fame. He definitely was what great baseball player. Yeah, but do you would you vote for a steroid user to make the Hall of Fame? Um, 
I, again, I, I think there, there either ought to be a guideline. No, no, no. That's not my or, question. My question is, would or, you or vote? Would you do it? Um, with him and Clemens, yes, because I think their career, apart from steroids, was enough to get them in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's that's my question. <laughs> so good. We got to it. We finally got to the answer. Yeah, Barry Bonds, I think he deserves to be in. Uh, what about Alex Rodriguez? Um, I was surprised. I saw a poll, you know, of, of people they've, you know, of how people have already voted or they think they have. And he was pretty far down the list. He was a great player. So, um, I, I was a little surprised on that. He was a jerk. He was a great player, but uh, people didn't like him. Uh, you know, he was there and the Yankees with Derek Jeter, everybody loved Jeter. Uh, but Rodriguez, people didn't like him. Um, and, uh, that's going to play into it some as well. Yeah. You know, Kurt Schilling is an interesting, interesting one. He gets, he gets knocked because he was a conservative and a wacko, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm a conservative, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a wacko, but, uh, Schilling has said some really stupid things along the way. When you look at this list of guys on the hall of fame voting ballot, uh, who would you vote for on this ballot to be in the hall of fame? Um, I mean, I think it'd be Bonds and Clemens, and I think, I guess, Ortiz. And Ortiz, yeah. Um, those would be the only three guys you'd vote for? Uh, I think, though, from looking at it, um, you know, from there, um, I, I think that's the, the safe ones um, from that end. It's a weird group. It's a really yeah. weird group of guys. It it's like a lot of guys that are on, they were all very good. Not a lot of great guys. You know, Jeff Kent. Uh, good, <laughs> but I've never considered him great. Todd Helton's a guy that I would fight for. Um, I feel like Todd Helton is a is a, a Hall of Fame caliber baseball player. Um, played great baseball. Uh, and and was a great person as well. I would say Todd Helton. I would say Bonds. I would say Clemens as well. Um, Gary Sheffield would pique my interest. Uh, and then Ortiz would definitely be a guy I'd vote for as well. Uh, what about Manny Ramirez? I know, I know. I'm just asking you. I've already asked you who it would be, and you told me. But uh, Manny Ramirez, your thoughts on on his career? Um, again, I you know I, I probably haven't I haven't kept up with recent baseball players as much. Again, I know the name, and I know he's had a great career, uh, but I wouldn't know enough about him to to put him in. The end of his career was so unceremonial. I think that hurts him in this these votes as well. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. You got, I mean, Tim Lincecum, Scott Rowland, uh, Justin Morneau. I, they're just, I don't know. These are interesting names. We're going to bring on um, our friend Graham Wallace closer to the ballot, uh, finalizing the Hall of Fame uh, votes and everything. And we'll talk to him, get his thoughts on those things in the times to come as well. Uh, let's transition to college football and uh, – and talk about the playoffs because they're finally happening. We're finally going to see them before our next episode. We'll get to the NCAA football playoffs, Michigan versus Georgia, Alabama versus Cincinnati. Let's start with Alabama-Cincinnati. The line has held pretty steady, 13.5-point favorite for Alabama, being played tomorrow afternoon against Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I mean, I just look at this game, and, Dad, I just – I feel bad for Cincinnati before kickoff. I just don't think they're going to be able to hold hold a cup of tea against Alabama. What do you think? No, I, I think Alabama, you know, should control the game, and I think they will control the game. Um, I mean, if it were, you know, Cincinnati has nothing to lose. Nobody, I mean, around here, a lot of excitement, obviously, where I live about Cincinnati, about the Bearcats. But um, if you talk about a team that can play loose and they do have some talent, uh, but I don't think in the long run they'll be able to hang with Alabama um, and because I think Saban will have them ready to play where they can't, um, you know, get caught. But um, th- that would be the only thing is just, you know, overconfidence um, and think every, every break going Cincinnati's way. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think Alabama's in the finals. Let's look at Michigan, Georgia. Georgia's a seven and a half point favorite as it sits currently. They play tomorrow night. Um, there's been a lot of controversy over the quarterback at Georgia. Stetson Bennett seems to be the guy uh, there. Um, you know, 
Georgia was so good this year. Their defense was so good this year. They looked so bad against Alabama. What do you expect the game to be like against Michigan? Well, I don't know. I, I think this game, COVID's affecting both teams, if I've heard right about this game. And that could be sad because I don't think they'll, I don't know that either one will be at full strength. Um, you know, Michigan, Michigan will have a lot of drive, no doubt about that. Um, Georgia, I think their motivation would be to get another shot at Alabama. Um, so I don't know. I'd be for Georgia, but um, I, it, that could be a real interesting game. I have no idea how that one will go. Yeah, it's just so hard to figure out, right? What What's it going to be like uh, there for Georgia? Uh, can they Can they come out and play offensively decent enough? And what will Michigan look like? I, I mean – I just don't know what we're going to see out of Michigan uh, tomorrow night. Uh, it could be a great game, or it could be Georgia just dominates the whole game, and we're looking at Alabama-Georgia. Um, and I got to tell you, I'm an SEC fan. Um, I don't want to see Alabama-Georgia. I'd love to see Georgia-Cincinnati. Um, boy, I don't know if I can live. I don't know if I can live with Michigan fans if they made the championship, you know, all of a sudden being the greatest football program ever, even though they stunk last year. You know, I saw a thing on Twitter today that said Jim Harbaugh brought the uh, Michigan from an unranked team to a uh, college football playoffs. Like, well, he's the one that ran them into the ground to the way they were. They were an unranked team. I'm not sure why we're giving them so much credit here, but uh, they've done a good job. They've made it work. They're in the playoffs. um, And it's an interesting game. Uh, to say the least, uh, if you had to put your life savings on it, uh, you said Alabama, Georgia in the finals. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I would think that's pretty safe. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll talk about it again next week after the games are over and give you our reactions to those as well. Uh, I've just been informed that if you're listening to us on Colorcast, you've not been able to hear, um, dad as he talks. So we'll work on that in the future episodes to get that fixed. But thank you for tuning in still. Uh, we are live on Facebook and on YouTube. You can jump over there for the remainder of this show. Dad, I want to close the uh, show today talking about the University of Kentucky basketball program and Coach John Calipari. It's a, he's an interesting guy. Uh, he's been good for the university. He's been great in, in recruiting and getting people here and those sorts of things uh, from there. But the more I think about Cal, I feel like this season is a legacy-defining season for him. If he does not win a championship this year, I think his legacy is different than what most people think it might be as you look ahead. When you look at, let me ask you, Dad, who's the greatest college basketball coach of all time? Um, it'd I mean, have to be John Wooden. Yeah, typically you're looking at John Wooden. You'd probably talk about Dean Smith a little bit. Shashevsky's uh, probably mentioned in there to some degree as well. I think that's where Cal thinks he is. Uh, but if he doesn't win another championship this year with the great roster that he has, I think he's going to be more down in the Bill Self range than the John Wooden range of things. And I don't think you probably wouldn't put him, and I wouldn't either, in the John Wooden range necessarily. But I think a lot of times you think, well, John Calipari, surely he's been a great coach, and surely he's a guy that goes you know, uh, and becomes this, this Coach Krzyzewski type uh, guy and all those sorts of things, but I just don't, I just don't know. <laughs> um, you're an outsider when it comes to Kentucky basketball. What's your view of John Calipari as a coach, not as a recruiter? Um, I mean, again, to me, Kentucky, he's made Kentucky a very, you know, dominant program since he has been there. Um, so from that standpoint, again, you know, I'm not in Lexington and my expectations wouldn't be where people are like, or even maybe what yours would be. But to me, Kentucky um, has become a power team every year and it's been since he's been there. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, they haven't been a power team last year when they missed the tournament. Uh, they weren't a power team when they had Narland's Noel on the roster because they missed the tournament. Um, this is a, this is a, uh, definitely a, a program that should be more successful than they have been, in my opinion, at the very least. I mean, you look at them, you go, okay, they've made some final fours. They, they've been successful compared to most programs, but they've won one national championship under coach Cal. And you look at the players that have come through this program. 
that's just unexcusable. Now, they had the great year against Wisconsin where they lost in the Final Four to Wisconsin. They were undefeated. And you lose a game. And and I'm not going to hold that against them losing one game in the season. But when you cannot win championships in a program like Kentucky with the talent that he's had at Kentucky, to me, like I said, his legacy goes more in the Bill Self range than in the Dean Smith range. Uh, and and he's a guy who who could be one of the greatest coaches of all time, but I think he's proven that he's not one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he's a greatest recruiter, maybe the greatest recruiter of all time. Um, because he, you know, since he's been at Kentucky, he hasn't been caught cheating. Um, it's not to say that someday he won't be, but he hasn't been to this point. He's brought in some amazing talent. He produces some great NBA guys. He needs to produce some championships as well. Um, would you put him, uh, you know, a tier or two below the greatest coaches, college coaches of all time? Well, I don't know. I started thinking about that as we started talking about it. I don't think he's in the category with the very top coaches. Like you said, um, is, is he where Bob Knight was? Uh, I don't think so. Is he where Digger Phelps was? Not sure about that. Um, you know, and, and I'd have to think back about other coaches, but a lot of them were going to come to mind as we go along. I don't know he is quite at that level. He would be just below it, and he might end up being up in that category. John Thompson, is he better than John Thompson? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I think that would be kind of a question. I, to me, I don't know that I put him in the category with those five or six guys. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we got a comment here on Colorcast. And I know, again, you can't hear my co-host, and so you didn't hear all the stuff you just said. But uh, it says Cal's on the same recruiting-wise in basketball as Saban is in football, which I agree with, but he's not the same in coaching. <laughs> and so uh, he is a great recruiter. He brings in some great skills. And thanks to the, guy, the guys from High Low Sports for, for commenting and listening. Um, yeah, I, you know, Dad, I put him in the same category as Bobby Knight. You said he's not. That's the category I'd put him in. Uh, right there with Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight win won what two championships I think in Indiana, um, and and you know went to the Final Four and had some really successful years. But you know when you look at Bobby Knight, unless you're from Indiana um, and you're from Illinois, from that general region, so he was a big deal. But I I don't know. To me, they're similar in their coaching successes because Cal's been successful. I mean, you look at some colleges across the 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 the. America, and they would say, boy, if we could have what Kentucky's had these last 10, 11 years with Cal, boy, we'd be ecstatic. But at Kentucky, we expect more. And some people say, well, you shouldn't. I do. Um, he's got a top three recruiting class every year, and he's had top the top recruiting class several years. There should be more uh, from him, you know, for sure, moving forward. this I, I just think this year defines a lot for him. You missed the the, the tournament last year. Because, and his excuse is COVID, and we had all these new players. They didn't have a chance for a normal offseason. Well, you're the coach. You're supposed to figure it out. And he didn't last year. He couldn't get his superstars to play like superstars. He wouldn't play the, the, the people who could actually score because the superstars had to be on the floor. This year, he's got veterans on the team, so he doesn't have the same excuses of all these little freshmen playing. And uh, they've so far so good for the most part for Kentucky. They look great against North Carolina. They looked good against Missouri to open the conference play. They have the chance to win this year, but I think it's just a legacy defining year for Coach Calipari uh, here at UK. And, uh, you know, tomorrow they're honoring Tubby Smith. Um, a lot of people were ready for Tubby to go when they fired Tubby. We used to have the chant, drain the tub. But overall, Tubby was a great person, a great person. And uh, he did bring championship to, to Kentucky as well. But I think this is a legacy-defining year for Coach Cal. I'm interested to see um, how it plays out and uh, and what it's like moving forward for him as well. All right, Dad. Good show. Uh, and I'm sorry that ColorCast, we didn't have it figured out for you. We will get it, we will get it figured out. But, uh, Dad, uh, I sure appreciate you uh, coming on again and uh, being a part of the show as always. I thought we had a great conversation. Uh, today and uh, you know I just realized something dad um, uh, okay final thoughts that you have for uh, for the football games this weekend college football pro football anything like that well I again I just want to tell everybody happy new year I appreciate everybody watching or listening listening and watching to the podcast and I encourage you to come back for the first 
um, episode coming up in the new year because I think we'll prove once again that the Sports Stove podcast is on the cutting edge of sports information. I have an NFL stat that I'm going to unveil on the next podcast. Um, I, I tried to find it. I couldn't find where anybody had come up with it, so I did some research. And I'm uh, going to have a have an interesting stat about the NFL, and we'll break that out on the next podcast. All right. So Dad says, first episode of the new year, we are coming to you with uh, innovative stat. NFL stat? Is that what you said? NFL, uh-huh. An NFL stat that only he has found. He's not heard anyone else proclaim it or post it. Of course, he's not on Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, So you got to tune in the first live episode of the new year. Uh, for that stat, I don't know what it is, so I'm excited and anticipating that as well. Uh, we always have our local hour comes out Wednesday mornings covering EKU sports, so you can tune into that. We have players and coaches on each week with that. Um, then I uh, encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove, and you can also find us on YouTube and Facebook as well. We sure appreciate you tuning in. We will be doing our live shows uh, on ColorCast. We'll do ColorCast, Facebook, and YouTube moving forward, and uh, we'll work hard to get the audio stuff figured out uh, for you ColorCast listeners, but thank you for tuning in uh, there as well. And uh, and we're excited to see what's ahead for the show. Thank you so much for the great, great year. We've had some great guests on this year and uh, looking forward to what's ahead in the new year as well. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you had a great Christmas and a happy new year. Uh, Until next time in the year 2022, we'll see you around the sports stove.